All right, so welcome back to week four of our series through the book of 1 Corinthians, Respond with the Gospel. In this letter to the church of Corinth, he was identifying some issues that were keeping the Corinthian church from being a God-honoring and gospel-focused church. Most of these issues surfaced from believers who were attempting to follow Jesus, but also kind of keep a foot in the surrounding pagan culture as well. And we know that half commitment to Jesus is not commitment to Jesus. Half commitment to Jesus is not commitment to Jesus at all, because lordship is all-consuming. It's over every area of our lives. For Jesus to truly be Lord of our lives, we have to surrender every aspect of our lives to him. As Jesus followers, we no longer take our cues from culture and what people around us are doing. We take our cues from God. So up to this point, we've talked about three different problems so far, and we saw Paul respond with the gospel. The first one was division in the church. And Pastor Phil preached about that, how we should reject division like Matumbo. Pastor Phil knows. He was listening. And then in week two, we talked about uh, sexual immorality and how the gospel says we were bought with a price. Our bodies matter. And we talked about how the Bible gives us proper guidelines and boundaries to experience sex the way that God designed it. And then last week, we talked about food sacrificed as idols and how we should do our best to respect fellow believers and not be a hindrance to their spiritual growth. We need to love people where they are. This morning, we're going to move into chapters 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians, where Paul is addressing order in the church and the unique roles we play together in the church with our spiritual gifts. See, something is true that uh, when we receive salvation through faith in Jesus and we begin to follow Jesus, something happens to all of us. We become indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He comes into our hearts as his home, and we are uniquely, divinely gifted with spiritual gifts. Now, regarding the use of those gifts, the church of Corinth had some problems. Okay, They didn't understand uh, how to view the difference in those gifts, the importance of gifts versus other gifts, how to practice their gifts. They weren't sure exactly, how do I fit in? And the church of Corinth became uh, uh, chaotic. It was confused. They uh, were moved into this state of chaos, and nobody knew what was going on. How do I fit in, and how do I play my role here in this church? The spiritual gifts weren't understood. They weren't practiced properly, and it led the church to confusion, comparison, and competition. So Paul responds to this problem, as we've seen him do over the last few weeks. So let's read together. In chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 4. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, uh, 
miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another one, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another one, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though, one has many parts. But all its many parts from form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, the, the, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. God, thank you so much again for your word. God, I pray as we continue to dive into this and to uncover what you want for us through your word, I pray that you would just help us to be uh, ready to change, ready to hear your word, ready to have our ears and eyes open to your truth this morning. God, we thank you for all that you're going to do. Amen. So, a lot of reading there. But the first thing we need to understand in Paul's response here is this. The body of Christ is diverse and uniquely gifted for the same mission. The body of Christ is diverse and it is uniquely gifted for the same mission. See, the church is characterized by diversity functioning in unity. Diversity functioning together as one body for one goal. There are a variety of gifts given to uh, many different people by the same God and all for his church. See, the gospel is that people of all nations and tongues and races and, and ethnicities would be joined together by the same gospel for the same mission, moving in the same direction. We may vary in looks and we may have different spiritual gifts and different things to contribute. But we are all empowered and equipped by the same Spirit for the mission of one church. We are uniquely gifted for the same kingdom. The body of Christ is diverse, but it is 
unified, working together, all contributing what we are called to give for God and for one another. Many members, many gifts, but one body on one mission. I love the way uh, Trevor Joy says it. He says, we are uniquely designed, but uniformly purposed. Uniquely designed, different in our gifts, in our talents, in our strengths, but uniformly purposed for one mission. So you have a unique gift. Every single person in this room, every single person watching online, if you are a follower of Christ, the Spirit has come into your life and given you spiritual gifts to contribute with. Cultivate that gift. Identify what it is. Cultivate that God-given gift. And don't get caught up in jealousy or comparison over the gifts of others. Use your gifts to build his church. See, every spiritual gift is a miracle. All of them. It's something beautiful that God wanted you to have to love him, to love the church, to love your neighbor, to serve the church. Now, some gifts may look more appealing and may be practiced on bigger platforms. And you might say, you know, I want one of those gifts that's going to get me out there in front of everybody. But our gifts are for the fame of Jesus, not the fame of ourselves. Our gifts are for his fame and his renown. Tony Evans reminds us this in terms of spiritual gifts. He says, do not equate visibility with value. Do not equate visibility with value. You may never be on a stage to practice your spiritual gifts. It is nonetheless uh, more valuable. You still have value. You still have so much to contribute, so much to offer. You may not do it uh, up on a stage. You might be behind the scenes, but that is what God intended you to do as part of the body. Do not equate visibility with value. So you can't see my heart pumping blood through my body right now. But if it decided to stop doing that, you would surely watch me collapse on the stage, right? That would be an ugly scene. This would be a Sunday to remember for a lot of bad reasons. <laughs> you can't see my heart pumping blood, but it is behind the scenes. It's keeping things moving. See, gifts are assigned to believers at the discernment and the discretion of God. He chooses, he divinely purposed you with certain gifts. Now, you may wish that you were gifted some other way, but to neglect the gift that God gave you is to say you know better. Remember what God said in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my or are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God made no mistake. God has perfectly equipped you with the gifts that he wants you to cultivate for his kingdom. Find your gifting. Then find your role and your function in the church. Join in on what God intends to do with this entire body. Comparison to others is going to keep you from that contribution, from doing what God has made you to do. So focus less on what you want for yourself and more on what God intended for you. You don't choose your gifts, but you do choose whether you will be obedient in exercising those gifts. You don't get to pick your spiritual gifts, but you can say, yes, I'm going to be faithful and obedient to do what God's called me to do, to do what he's equipped and empowered me to do. 
See, if one member of the body decided to retreat and to stop playing their role in uh, their function, breakdown of the body would result. It would be a mess. Then all of the body would miss this intended blessing of that member's contribution. We would all suffer the same way even LeBron James would suffer if the rest of his team decided, I'm the inferior athlete, so I'm just not going to show up. Everyone loses. You may say, I wish I was uh, on the platform. I wish I was the LeBron James. But if you don't show up and play your part, everybody is going to lose. All believers listening today, there's plenty of you in here looking right at me. Some of you watching through a screen. If you are a follower of Christ, you have spiritual gifts that God intended to use in his church. Sitting on the sidelines has never been God's plan for your life. I can promise you that. You were given a gift to do something with it. To join alongside other believers in this body. All of us empowered by the same spirit for the same mission. To share the gospel with the world. You have spiritual gifts and you have been called to contribute with them. The second thing we need to understand in Paul's response to this problem is this. We are called to coalition, not competition. We are called to coalition, not competition. See, for one uh, whole body to function, it takes all members performing in their roles for a collaborative purpose. Not performing in competition, trying to outdo the other. My hand isn't trying to outdo my foot right now. They're working in collaboration for one goal. To illustrate what uh, Paul is explaining here today, I brought a friend. He's going to help us on stage today. Man, what's going on with his leg right now? Dude, how do you sleep like that, man? There we go. This is Fred Bones. Everybody say, hey, Fred. Fred is glad to be with us today. Don't be shy. It's okay. Here we go. You can wave. There we go. He's excited to see you guys too. This is Fred Bones. You can call him Mr. Bones if you want to. But he is here to help explain what Paul is saying through this metaphor of the body. See, the human body has many different parts, as does the body of Christ. And Fred here shows us a little bit about the, the bones and the structure and how many different Things are at play here. Now, if some of you have ever wondered, you know, I'm not so sure about Josh. He seems like he's kind of a sketchy guy. Now you know for sure there are some skeletons in my closet. Okay, I didn't get any booze. I was worried about that because me and Fred both, we don't have the thickest skin. Hey, there's the booze. I like it. But Paul uses this metaphor of the human body because it perfectly illustrates What's happening in the body of Christ? It takes many different members working together, supporting each other. It's more than just a hand. It's more than just a foot. It's more than just the joints that connect these things. It's more than just his organs that are letting his function. It is the collaborative purpose of all of them working together to accomplish something greater. See, it's going to take more than just his hands or feet to get him through the day to successfully do anything that he's called to do. It takes every member of the body working in cooperation, working together, 
And no part is more important than the next. No spiritual tool set that we're given is more important than the next one. For Fred to function, he needs all of these pieces connected, working together for one common goal, for the common good, as Paul states it. I'm going to put Fred back down over here. Greg, I'm sorry. He's going to play your drum back here. There we go. Oh. I might be Spider-Man. Thank you, Fred. No part is more important than the next. Every part needs to be working together. Different members need to function in alliance, together, in coalition for a common good, where everything will fall apart. The body will malfunction, it'll get tripped up, and nothing will be accomplished. See, I recently started attending some uh, CrossFit classes. And I'm not saying that to brag on anything. All I've successfully done is puked in my car so far. <laughs> now, I'm sure that took many different members of something inside my body as well. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know where that feeling comes from. I don't know how many different parts of my body are at work when I'm throwing up, but I know it is very real. Okay? <laughs> and that is true. And the guys at the detailing shop have still not forgiven me. We may not get them in our church in the near future. But I recently started attending some of these classes and I've learned that most of the exercises are complex. They involve many different parts together. There's this one lift in particular, it's called the clean and jerk. And Jordan's gonna get up and he's gonna demonstrate that here in a second. Just kidding, I didn't tell Jordan anything about that. But uh, what happens with a clean and jerk is you have a barbell loaded up with weight and you've got to pick it up off the ground to about your knees and then flip it up here onto your chest and then you dip down and you throw it up over your head, extending your arms fully. If you're thinking it sounds terrible, it is. You're right. It'll make you throw up. It's that bad. But something I've learned is that it takes many different body parts to successfully do a clean and jerk. And one of the coaches has repeatedly come to me and he said, you're trying to do it all with your arms. You're trying to do it all with this one muscle group. But you've got to use your legs to power up. You've got to use your back and your core for stability and for extra strength. You've got to use your shoulders to pull this thing up. You've got to activate all of these different groups to successfully do this one movement. It's exactly what we're talking about here. We need to be sev uh, several different members with different gifts, all working together for one purpose, to accomplish the same thing for the common good of sharing the gospel with this world. Collaboration and cooperation, that's the goal. Not competition between members. See, in a rivalry, two strong things can flex their individual strength and power. But in alliance, they're always stronger. I love, uh, in one of the uh, Patriots championship runs, you should know if I'm using this, it, it, it's important, because I do not like the Patriots. <laughs> but Bill Belichick famously repeated the mantra, do your job, over and over over and over as they accomplished this ultimate goal of winning a championship. He'd say these three words, do your job. 
See, they had Tom Brady and they had other gifted athletes on their roster, but it took everyone contributing and every member doing their one job that they were designed to do. At any given moment in the game, they'd have 11 men on the field competing together, not against one another, not to try to prove I'm the best athlete on this side of the ball. No, we are one team working for one goal. Each part of the team focusing on their job, doing it the best they could because they were designed to play that role. My grandfather, who I like much more than Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, he played the oboe at a professional level for years in countless symphonies and concerts. He played with some of the greatest musicians of the last century. He's really, really talented. I can remember going to my grandparents' house as a kid, and I could hear uh, my grandfather practicing, and he could play the oboe so beautifully. And on his own, he could make a beautiful sound. But in harmony with a collection of instruments, making beautiful sounds together, they could create a masterpiece, a moving song that was built from the collection of a hundred instruments instead of just one. Those instruments aren't in competition together. When you listen to a symphony, they're all working together in harmony, supporting one another. They're playing together for the common good of a greater goal, to make a beautiful sound together that no instrument alone could make. I just uh, I saw a quote as I was preparing for this. It said, nobody can whistle a symphony. It takes a whole orchestra. Nobody can whistle a symphony. It takes a whole orchestra. The same is true of our goals in the church. We have been knit together, all indwelt by the same spirit, to be on mission for the sake of the gospel together. It can't be one of us. It can't be two of us. It's going to take the whole body working together. See, we function in interdependence, not independence. For the whole body, not for the self. If the foot compares itself to the gifting of the hand or the eye draws its worth by how good it can hear compared to an ear, the members are going to fail to be cohesive for the common good of the gospel. And the same is true of your roles in the church. See, some of you are gifted musically and some are gifted to teach people. Some are gifted with hospitality and others to preach. Some are gifted administrators, and some are gifted to counsel. All different roles, but all meant to work together for the common good of what we've been commissioned to do. So find your gift. Play your instrument in harmony with the whole body as we become a symphony together declaring the beauty of the gospel to this world. In coalition, in harmony, in alliance, not in competition and comparison with one another. The final and last thing that we learn from Paul's response here is actually found in chapter 13. We're going to continue reading there. It's that love is central to the proper use of gifts. Love is central to the proper use of gifts. As Paul continues in chapter 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. We can talk about spiritual gifts all day. You can practice those gifts and boast in your talents and use them to the best of your ability. But without love, it means nothing. It's empty. You can speak in glorious tongues, but without love, it's just noise. See, I could stand up here and preach the most eloquent and beautiful sermon. But without love at the core of what I do, it is nothing more than the sound of a child banging pots and pans together. It's just noise. It's purposeless. See, miraculous gifts done without love is all in vain. This passage of Scripture is typically read at weddings. You've probably heard it at a wedding. We're in a romantic setting, but in context, this is all about exercising our gifts the right way with the right motives. You may be gifted, but if your best talents and treasures are done without love, it amounts to nothing. Spiritual gifts are never to be exercised for our gain, to elevate us or to build our own platform. They are used to love God and love our neighbors. See, this was uh, the problem in the church of Corinth. They emphasized the beauty and the power of gifts, and they wanted to prove how special they were and how awesome they were with gifts. But they missed the very thing that qualified those spiritual gifts as useful, and that thing is love. That, hey, those gifts are not for your gain. Those gifts are not to promote you to a higher platform. Those gifts are not for your attention and for your fame. Any gift done outside of love is done in vain. They practice these gifts, but they miss the prerequisite. Our spiritual gifts are for the church in love for the glory of God. You can't take love out of the equation. If you have mastered the use of spiritual gifts and you have done that without genuine, self-denying love for the people around you, you have failed. Where love is absent, the greatest of gifts means absolutely nothing. We are all uniquely gifted, purpose for specific functions in the body. 
But we're gifted by the same Spirit for the purpose of love. Love of God, love of our neighbors. If your gifts don't lead you to further self-denial and to the service and the benefit of others around you, are you practicing your gifts in love or are you practicing them for your own gain? See, love compels us to serve God and to serve one another. Love denies itself for the well-being of others. Love is effort for the benefit of others, even if it means the expense of myself. If you failed to accomplish this through your God-given gifts, you failed completely. It was all a waste if it was not done for love. The gifts given to us, they're wonderful, but none triumphs over love. How could we function without love? Paul tells us back in chapter 12 where we read earlier that members in cooperation together, they hurt with one another. They celebrate together, but they empathize and they support one another. As members moving in the same direction, we need to be picking each other up like teammates do, moving forward in our common direction with love for everybody around us. Paul pleads for us in Galatians 6.2 to bear one another's burdens. This means when one of us is hurt, we are to hurt with them. When the back or the hip is broken, the whole body is affected. We all suffer together. We feel pain together. We succeed as a team and we endure brokenness as a team just the same. We serve together and we suffer together. True love for one another is characterized this way. Tim Keller says, You were made, all of us, all of you, you were made for a mutually self-giving, others-directed love. Self-centeredness destroys the fabric of what God made. God made one body, a collective body made of many different members with many different gifts. If we function in selfishness, we are destroying the fabric of what God intended for this to look like. If we do not possess this kind of love, our gifts amount to nothing. See, but what Paul says there in chapter 13, one day our spiritual gifts will cease. They'll no longer be necessary, but love will never fail. Love never ends. Love will endure forever. Your spiritual gifts are necessary right now, but they will cease one day and love will continue. The Corinthian church struggled to find order. They struggled to find their place. They struggled to understand uh, their spiritual giftings. Confusion and comparison and competition all blurred those lines of intended roles and functions within the church. But Paul responds with the gospel. The gospel says we are all bought with the blood of Jesus to be brought into one family, one body, and dwelt by one spirit for one mission. The kingdom is unique. It is diverse. It is made up of many different people filled with a variety of gifts, but it's all empowered by the same God for the sake of the gospel. We're gifted to collaborate in coalition together, not to compete for our own gain and status. And above all else, we are gifted to fulfill the greatest of all commandments, to love God and love people through our different roles. Say yes to contribute 
the way God designed you to contribute. Find your gift. Use it in harmony with the rest of the body and do it all in love. If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I want to challenge us as a church. Have we properly used our spiritual gifts the way God designed us to do so? We may have some people sitting in here this morning or watching online who have failed to uh, respond to this call to join into the body, to collaborate with others all in harmony for the sake of the gospel, for this great commission that God gave us. Maybe you need to identify those gifts. Maybe you need to pray and ask God, show me what you designed me to do. Show me what purposes you made me to have in your kingdom. None of us are called to sit on the sidelines or to watch. We know what the play call is. God has commissioned us to a great work to reach the world, to expand his kingdom, to live lives that all point towards the gospel. Have you played your role to contribute in that? Or have you been a limb on the body, a part of the body who has refused to contribute? You have gifts and talents and resources and abilities that are necessary for what God is doing through his church. I want to challenge you to meditate on that, to ask God, how do you want me to fit in? And how can we make this all about you, God? Because when it's about us, it's going to lead to confusion. It's going to lead to chaos. It's going to lead to comparison and competition. That's not what we've been called to do. All of our gifts are for God to be exercised in love. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've not yet joined the family of God. Maybe you've never really said yes to this gospel message that includes all of us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You've never given your heart to him and said, I'm going to follow Christ. So maybe you've not yet joined this body of believers called the church. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to say from this day on, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm choosing to be a follower of Christ. I'm not going to take my cues from culture. I'm not going to take my cues from the world. I want to be a part of what God is doing in his body. You could receive this gift called salvation. Asking God to save you from your sins as you become a follower of Jesus. See, the gospel is that Jesus took our place. The gospel is that you and I are sinners. You probably felt that sin. You can identify that sin in your life. 
And what God wants to do through his son, Jesus, is to bring a dead heart in you back to life. You can have that gift this morning. Maybe you pray something like this to God this morning. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But God, I'm repenting of my sin and I'm turning to you. I give you my life. If you made that decision to follow Jesus today, I just want to encourage you to write on your connection card, I chose Jesus. I'm living for Jesus. I'm uh, being welcomed into this family as a son or a daughter. I chose Jesus. Write that on your connection card. Text us this week. Email us this week. Let us know you made a decision to follow Jesus. We want to come alongside you to help you understand what that means and to help you fit into the body of Christ the way you were designed to.